So I want to invite you this morning to spend the next seven days putting your feet where Jesus put his feet. So this morning, um, we're going to go on a little journey for the next hour together. And the journey is going to be, we're going to walk with Jesus from Palm Sunday all the way to Monday, Thursday, to the Last Supper on Thursday. And we're going to do that through a number of ways. I'm going to teach a little bit. Worship team's going to lead us through with songs. We're going to have a, a responsive reading to help us. And so I just want you to kind of settle in and just relax. And I want the primary question for us to be, not only this morning, but through the rest of this week, to be this. Will you stay with him on the journey? Will you stay with him on the journey? For this morning, we find what? Palm Sunday today is the day that 700 years before Jesus entered in, Zechariah 9, the prophet Zechariah said, our Messiah, our Savior is going to come. He is going to get to Jerusalem and he's going to come on the back of a donkey. And Palm Sunday represents, it's also called the triumphal entry. So Matthew 21 is where we, we begin to put our feet this morning. Matthew 21, 7 to 9 says this. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds then went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So the scene on Palm Sunday is a worshiping crowd forming uh, kind of the scene of his entry into Jerusalem. Now, there's no doubt the crowd probably had a different kind of motorcade in mind for their Messiah, probably not a donkey, probably not that uh, kind of conservative and low end. They were probably thinking more decorated camels and elevated platform and really important people in front and behind, much like you'd see our presidential motorcades today. I'm sure in their heads, they thought when our Messiah comes, the Romans are going to be toast and our Messiah is going to put us back in power. So this is going to look really, really good. And here Jesus comes to fulfill what Zachariah said, humble, meek, lowly, on a donkey. And the people quickly grasp, our Messiah, he can't get covered with dust on a donkey. So they start ripping their cloaks off and they lay them down on the road. You see how the cloaks laying on the road is a symbol of honor. They're like, hey, we got to keep the dust off our Messiah. Lay it down. Hold the dust down. And then it was also a sign of humility. Do you see how the laying of their own cloaks was a bowing of their lives to the feet of Jesus as Jesus' feet literally went over the top of their cloaks? Do you see the humility and the bowing? So on Palm Sunday, as they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and waving their branches and laying their cloaks down, Will we stay with him on this part of the journey? Will you take the cloak of your heart this morning and lay it down at the feet of Jesus? Will you humble yourself under his lordship? He is king of kings. He is the capital K king that we've awaited, long awaiting. And he's worthy of lives bowed at his feet. 
So to stay with him at Palm Sunday is to lay down and to lift up voices and to exalt the greatness of his name. It's Monday. After a night of rest, upon his entry into Jerusalem, here's what we find, where we find him on Monday. Matthew 21, verse 12 and following. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So on Monday, Jesus heads into the temple area and he starts flipping some tables over because what was commonly an area in that temple, so the temple area is built on Mount Moriah. That was the physical piece of ground at that time. Modern day, you see the scenes scrolling across the news. It's the Dome of the Rock today. So where the Dome of the Rock, that golden dome that you see sitting up on the hill, uh, that's Mount Moriah. That's where the temple Jesus was walking in that day. The temple was designed to have an outer courtyard area for the non-Jews to come and to prepare for worship. And the Gentiles, the non-Jews, would need to come and exchange their Roman currency for Jewish currency called shekels because the offerings were to be given in shekels. And so, shocker, the system got corrupted by the currency exchange. I know we have a hard time imagining how a system that has finances involved could get corrupted, but just picture it. Uh, it got corrupted. Uh, those who were out in the courtyard uh, decided to, you know, upcharge their service fees. It's kind of like when you go to the rental car counter and you thought your rental car costs this much and then you see the bottom line and you go, what's up with how many fees can they put, right? How many different fees on that schedule? Well, that was happening in the currency exchange for those who were coming to worship. And Jesus was upset. This would be a picture of righteous anger. This wasn't, I just want to have a chat with you moment. This wasn't, I have a problem I'd like to work through with you. This was, he just walks in and just starts, he started messing up the best fundraiser of the year for the temple leaders. I mean, they were making more cash during Passover week and all the people coming. And not only that, he was upset with those who were selling doves. What's up with the doves thing? Well, if you look in Leviticus 5, the doves were given as an opportunity for those who were the least economically advantaged. So the poorest of the poor who couldn't afford a lamb, they couldn't afford a goat. God said, you know what? You can afford a dove. So the doves were reserved as offerings for the poor. And those who were in charge of that were messing up that system. That whole thing was getting corrupted. So the poor were being taken advantage of. And you really want to get under Jesus' skin with some stuff. Right? You've got money changing, service fees being tacked on. You've got a corrupted system with the doves being sold to the least of these. And he's upset. And he wants to set some things right. So he walks into the temple. And before he even begins to teach, he just starts flipping things over. And can you picture the temple leaders standing around and the temperature and the blood pressure rising and the faces getting red and like, who's this guy? What's he doing? He's messing up the best system we have set up to fund this whole operation. And do you see where Jesus puts his feet on Monday? 
Will you stay with him in this part of the journey? Have you noticed that when you get your life linked up with Jesus, change becomes a theme? Are there some things he'd like to change in your life and mine these days? Have you, have you seen him maybe get his hands on a table and just in your life just flip this table over and you, you thought that table was actually a pretty well-functioning table in your life and Jesus walks up and flips it on its lid. Some of you that's happened this first quarter, even financially, like your table has literally been maybe your checkbook or your banking account and go, man, I thought I was kind of handling that well until Jesus stepped in. He's like, he wants to hear some things to say about that and he flips the table over. Or maybe it's a relationship. You thought a relationship was going a certain direction and Jesus walks in and gets a hold of your heart and he starts flipping over relationships in your life. He starts separating you from some and forming some new ones around that. So will you stay with him? In this part of the journey, on Monday, it's about Jesus setting first things first. It's about him restoring the original purpose of the temple. He's like, hey, you guys have made it all about the here and now. And the temple is supposed to be about the unseen and eternal. You're so distracted with the things of this world, you've lost sight. The purpose of the dove isn't to upcharge the poor so you can sit well as a leadership team. The purpose of the dove is a sacrifice to the living God to enter into his presence and his courts. Flip that table over, do you see? So when you put your feet where Jesus put his feet on Monday, you're basically giving him permission to come in and say, hey, Lord, are there some things maybe I've gotten a little off track on? I started to put some second things first, and it's crowding out the first things. I've gotten distracted with the things here and now, and he's wanting to set some things right. Will you stay with him on this part of the journey? So Tuesday, Jesus finds himself back in the temple courtyard area, having set some things right with the tables and reset the values. He's continuing his teaching ministry. Actually, it's a quite confrontational scene that you can read about in the Gospels where he has some lengthy discourse with the religious leaders and challenging why their blood pressure is rising and why their faces are turning red. So Tuesday is a lot of dialogue with Jesus in the temple courts. And then it brings us to Wednesday. And you can flip your Bibles to Matthew 26. Here's where we find Jesus on Wednesday. Matthew 26, verse 14. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asks, and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Wednesday is often called Spy Wednesday because this is the day that Judas betrayed, betrayed Jesus. For 30 silver coins... You say, well, it doesn't sound like much. Well, if you moved it to modern day dollars, it's about $10,000 today. It was 120 days worth of wages. So 120 denarii is what the 30 silver coins represented. A denarii was a day's wage. If you took and did the math around kind of a minimum wage salary and you ran it out 120 days, you're around 10,000 US dollars. So basically Judas, for 10K, betrays and sells out Jesus. Judas was one of the inner circle, the 12, close friend, 
trusted friend. Jesus actually put him in charge of some of overseeing the finances. So Judas was very astute on the money and the math here. He knew that the priests were offering him a pretty good deal from a financial side. And for about 10 grand, he says, I'll betray Jesus. Will you stay with Jesus in this part of the journey? Will you put your feet where Jesus put his feet on Wednesday? Can you feel the weight of personal betrayal that Jesus felt there? Have you had someone close to you in your life? Someone who you just observe behaving towards you in a way that literally takes your breath away where you just couldn't have ever imagined that person making the decisions they made? Have you often whispered, who could understand this? Do you know what Wednesday, you know what Spy Wednesday says? Jesus understands. He knows what it's like to have someone very close to him turn on him and behave in a way that to say that it hurt deeply would be an understatement. And this was a part of his holy week. So to put your feet where Jesus put his feet on Wednesday is to kind of enter in and settle down on some of the own, your own personal betrayals you are currently experiencing or have experienced in your life. There might be a specific name or face that comes to your mind that's kind of your own personal Judas that you've had. Someone who was near and who was close and someone who inflicted such pain in the relationship that you'd actually put the word betrayal on it. It's Wednesday. Will you stay with him on this part of the journey? I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes. We're just gonna have a moment of silence here and just to put our feet with Jesus on Wednesday and to give you an opportunity to open up your heart to those that's not right places in your life. There's some of that going on where you have been whispering either to yourself or to others or to God. You've been saying, that's not right. You put your feet now where Jesus put his feet on Wednesday and you open up that place to him. Jesus, thank you that in the midst of all that we maybe will never understand, when we stand with you on Wednesday, we thank you that you understand. And when we don't know what to do on the receiving end of betrayal, we can look to you. So we open up that space in our hearts to you and say, come, help us. Lead us through in your footsteps how you walked through this. In Christ's name, amen.
Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 13. Brings us to Thursday. So John 13. Here's the scene. They're about to, he's about to eat his last meal with his disciples before crucifixion. This is why it's often referred to as the Last Supper. So here's the setup to the Last Supper, John 13, verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew, I'd like you to underline that in your Bible, Jesus knew, that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. We can't read through that part of the sentence lightly. Did you just hear what I said? Like, what did John say there? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God as a returning to God. Who else do you know whom that can be said of? Only Jesus. That's why this week is so significant. The Father put it all on Jesus. He was coming from God, returning to God, and was given all power and authority. Just feel the weight of that. Jesus knew whom had commissioned him and where he was going. So verse 4, so he got up. Underline, he got up. So verse 3 says Jesus knew. Verse 4 says so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So do you see how Jesus' identity became the grounds for his action? Do you see this in the text? So Jesus knew who he was. He was a servant. So therefore, he did what he did. If you understand your fundamental identity as one as a servant, then acts of servanthood will flow. Jesus knew who he was, so he grabs the towel and basin of water and starts washing feet because he knew he had come as a servant. And the text continues on, and Peter jumps in, and Peter, because Peter struggled with opening his mouth a lot, but he was very, he was very upset. He's like, this isn't what Jesus should be doing. This is our Messiah. This is our King. He can't wash our feet. Why was he so upset? Because Peter knew foot washing was reserved for the lowest of the low in the household, the youngest and least trained servant in the house was given the task of washing the feet of the guests who came in for dinner. So the scene on the front porch would be the young, least trained servant would come out on the front porch with a basin of water and the towel and would bow down and begin to wash off the feet because the roads were all dusty and dirt covered. The sandals were open toed. So everyone's feet needed to be cleansed before they entered into the house. So Peter's expecting the young servant in the house to come out, and Jesus is the one. Do you see this? Grabs the towel and the basin of water, and Jesus starts washing their feet. And do you see at that moment how he was communicating that he's a king unlike any other king? He knew where he had come from. He knew who he was. He knew he was a servant. Do you remember how Mark put it? Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve to give himself as a ransom for many. Jesus knew that. And so he washed feet. But those around him thought, now, kings don't bow down. 
Kings are bowed down too. Kings don't serve. Others serve kings. Kings don't kneel. Others kneel to kings. Do you see the scene here on Thursday? So on Thursday, Jesus is saying, hey, gang, I'm a king unlike any other king. I've come to give myself away. And he says to Peter, I'm not just going to wash your feet. Unless I wash the whole of you, you're in big trouble. And so will we stay with him on Thursday in this part of the journey? Will we put our feet with him at the Last Supper, at this washing of the feet? Follow me here. I think this is what it means to put our feet on Thursday. I want you to remember, I want you to think now what Jesus knew about his group whom he was washing their feet. What did he already know about Judas? <laughs> Judas was about to sell him out. Jesus knew that. What did he already know about Peter? Peter was going to deny he even knew him before the rooster crows. What did he already know about a bulk of the group when it got bloody and difficult by the end of Friday? What did he know about that group? They were going to desert him. So Judas is going to betray him. Peter is going to deny him. The group is going to desert him. And what does Jesus do? Jesus gets down and washes their feet. When they were at their worst, Jesus washed their feet. Church, that's grace. To put your feet with Jesus on Thursday is to stand in the posture of a receiver of something we feel so deeply we don't deserve. Do you know that's grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Jesus is giving grace here. He's like, hey, he's washing Judas's feet, the feet that are gonna trot over to the high priest for 30 silver coins and sell him out. He's washing Peter's feet, the feet they're gonna trot over by the fire and say, I don't know that man. He's washing their feet when they're at their worst. So to put our feet with him on Thursday and to let him take that basin of water and that towel is to let Jesus be for us what no one else can be. Unless I wash not just your feet, unless I wash the whole of your life, you're gonna need me to wash the whole of you. And some of you feel like you're entering into this holy week and you may feel like you've been at your worst. You might enter into this week, go, man, I don't, you, you ah, this has been about the worst entry into holy week you've ever had. Put your feet on Thursday. Slide off your sandals and receive the act of grace that Jesus will wash you even when you've been at your worst. So Thursday is to be in the receiver posture. And we might feel a little bit like Peter at times. We kind of struggle with, oh, I need to do something. Like Peter's like, ah, I need to jump in. And no, Peter, Jesus, hey, I just need you to receive. Jesus knows the depth and the detail of everything in our hearts. He knows what we've been thinking about. He knows what we've been doing. He knows what we've been rationalizing. He knows what's to come. He knows what's been. He knows it all. And he says, come and let me wash your feet. Will you stay with him on this part of the journey? When you taste that grace, you walk away and say, I've never tasted anything like that. Have a seat.
So from Palm Sunday to Money Changing Monday to Teaching Tuesday to Spy Wednesday to the grace of the washing of Thursday. Will we stay with him each part of the journey? All through this week, you're going to have some Lenten readings pushed to you via the app. They're on our website as well. And that's what these readings are crafted to help us stay with them each day. Carve out maybe a little extra time and space this week. It's called Holy Week. You might feel quite unholy entering into Holy Week. Do you know that Holy Week gives us a picture of how the unholy can be transformed and changed? This is the hope of this week. It's Holy Week not based on us, for sure, right? It's Holy Week based on him and what he did. So we'll stay with him every step of the journey. And this brings us now to when we'll regather Friday night at 7 o'clock. If you've never been a part of a Good Friday service here, I want to encourage you to make it a priority and join us Friday night. We'll receive communion together. And we'll put our feet where Jesus put his feet on Friday. And feel the weight of what he felt when they came to arrest him. And he had the trial and he endured the flogging and the whips. And he was placed on that Roman cross. We'll put our feet where Jesus put his feet. Because gang, we can't get to Resurrection Sunday without starting at Palm Sunday and going through each step of this week and certainly without going through Friday. And so we'll enter into a church-wide fast starting Friday night at seven o'clock. And we'll go 24 hours till Saturday night at seven o'clock, a food fast. So a water and juice only. If you've never done this before, give it a try. Why are we doing that? Because you know this is how we're gonna put our feet where Jesus put his feet from Friday night through Saturday. Do you know what Saturday's called? Silent Saturday. So to enter into the silence of that tomb that was sealed and to help us identify with all that's going on there, a food fast does help that because it'll be difficult for us on a number of levels. And so you might have an exceptionally bad headache all through that day because you didn't hit the Starbucks drive through in your routine and the caffeine intake went down and do you know that that helps you identify with Friday and Saturday? And the stomach's going to turn around and it's going to roll, it's wrestle, and it's going to, there's going to be some stabs of hunger, pains. Or what is all that supposed? It's all intended, right, to put our feet where Jesus put his feet. And then to break the fast on Saturday night so we can come in on Sunday morning with energy and strength for the noise of resurrection joy. But we can't get to the noise of resurrection joy unless we continue to put our feet everywhere Jesus put his feet through this whole week. So will you stay with him? Will I stay with him for each part of this journey? Let's pray together. Jesus, we just 
this morning on this Palm Sunday, we just marvel at everything, your entry into Jerusalem. When Luke 9 says you were recognizing your time had drawn near to enter into Jerusalem and go back to heaven, you said you set your face resolutely toward Jerusalem. Would you help us this week to have that kind of resolute determination setting our face and the gaze of our soul to put our feet where you put your feet all through this week. And would you meet each one of us, every single one of us here, probably in some different stage of what Holy Week represents from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday to Friday, all the way to Silent Saturday. And thank you for the the weight and the significance of everything you endured, that you were willing to say yes. We're gathering here this morning, and when we regather on Friday and Sunday, we're doing it because of what you did. And so would you meet us in each stage of this? Harvest out of this holy week in our lives, and our congregation, all that you desire. We worship you. We lay the cloak of our lives down this morning. And we welcome you in. And say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. In Jesus' holy name.